Hello and welcome to the Week 8 Football Outsiders Coach Ranking Show. I'm your host, Ian O'Connor, Senior Data Analyst at Football Outsiders. And joining me as he does every week is Vince Verhey, Football Outsiders Assistant Editor. Today we're going to be looking back on some of the games and coaching strategies from Week 7, as well as looking ahead to a couple Week 8 matchups. So going to be a really good show. But first, I want to remind you about FO Plus, our premium subscription uh, on footballoutsiders.com. You can get that at footballoutsiders.com slash subscribe. Gives you access to a lot of premium, uh, really good data, premium stats, premium articles, fantasy rankings. Uh, you get an ad-free experience and you get access to all of our data on Monday instead of having to wait until Tuesday, even for that free data. So you get access early before everyone else that doesn't have FO+. Again, sign up at footballoutsiders.com slash subscribe. And secondly, don't forget to play on Underdog Fantasy with us, and you can double your first deposit up to $100 using promo code OUTSIDERS. They've got some really good weekly uh, action there. Their Battle Royale, which is a best ball style draft that goes weekly, as well as their Pick'em games, which is basically parlaying up to five uh, five prop bets, higher or lower stats for players. You can do that even in states where traditional prop betting currently is not available. Underdog is the fastest growing fantasy site around. So join the fun over at underdogfantasy.com or download the Underdog app and use promo code OUTSIDERS now to double your first deposit up to $100. Now, without further ado, Vince, we'll just dive right into some of the, that action I talked about from last week. The big story, I think, so far, one of the biggest stories in the NFL is Tampa Bay. But what is going on with Brady and the Bucks? They've now lost two straight games to the Steelers and the Panthers, both embarrassing losses. They're only 19th in offense, and if you take out that Chiefs game a few weeks ago, they're 25th. So what are you seeing from the Bucs uh, that you think is causing these issues that they've got? Because they've got a lot of the same players they've had the last few years. Well, they do have a lot of the same players they've had the few, last few years, but they don't have all of them. Right. Uh, Ryan Jensen has not played this year. They're hopeful he might be able to return for the playoffs. Uh, Aaron Stinney was going to be a starting lineman this year. He has been hurt the entire year. And so when you take out those two big pieces right in the middle of the offensive line, everything around them kind of falls to crap. Uh, the 31st in rushing offense DVOA ahead of only Jonathan Taylor on the Colts, which is another issue. Um, but you look at our offensive line stats, they're in the bottom five in adjusted line yards, bottom five in stuff rate. Uh, bottom five in second level yards, so they're not getting 10 yards very often, and bottom five in open field yards, so they're not getting big plays either. And uh, even here, here's a case where I think uh, sometimes just basic raw counting stats are pretty accurate and tell you what's going on. And the Buccaneers are dead last in rushing yards in the NFL. They are dead last in yards per carry in the NFL, only 3.0 yards per run. And uh, Meikle Hardman, who is a wide receiver for the Kansas City Chiefs, had as many rushing touchdowns against the 49ers this Sunday as the Tampa Bay Buccaneers as a team have all year. Wow. So everything is going wrong up front. It starts up front. Um, they also, Rob Gronkowski retired, and then they have not, you know, uh, uh, Kate Otten has not been a, a good replacement there. And then we just look around the rest of the team, the wide receivers, the running backs, and, and, and yes, even the quarterback, everyone else is playing just a little bit worse than they did last year. And it all adds up to this, this very frustrating football team we're seeing here. Uh, and Tom Brady, or Tom Brady, Mike Evans had the huge, you mentioned the lack of big plays, but had a, a big drop that could have made things a little, could have, that game could have gone differently, still should have, uh, but really, you know, could have changed uh, their numbers here. It's still one play isn't going to gonna vault them up any higher from 25th as they've been out with, uh, after that, or without including that Kansas City game, but really a lot of struggles there. Now, we know um, Todd Bowles took over as the head coach now. Byron Leftwich is still there as the offense coordinator. 
Do you think, did Bruce Arians maybe have a bigger impact than people realize on this team with him stepping down in the offseason and kind of having all these problems now aside from those injuries we talked about? That's a really hard question to answer without being on the ground in Tampa Bay and knowing what's going on because they're losing a bunch of close games and they're not scoring as many points as they used to, but there's no obvious uh, like strategic errors they're making. They're not suddenly... Uh, uh, doing crazy play calls or, or, or being super conservative on fourth downs or anything, or just making tons and tons of, of, of dumb mistakes, bad penalties and bad situations, that kind of thing. They're just getting outplayed just a little bit every week. Um, now it's, that's possible. That's, that's the kind of thing you can't measure. Right. We don't have, a, a any analytical method to measure morale or a preparation factor or anything like that. Um, it does seem like they're making, you know, more, more, more you know, we saw the Mike Evans drop and that probably doesn't happen last year, or at least it feels like it doesn't happen last year. Um, but without actually talking to the people with the Buccaneers or who are covering the team every day, I don't know how much of this is a, a great coaching mistake and how much of it is some bad critical injuries and everyone, you know, play, players are human beings. They don't play the same every game. They don't or the same game to game. They don't play the same year to year. And it just feels like everyone on offense is playing just a little bit worse than they did the year before. Yeah, and they still find themselves at the top of the NFC South, which isn't really saying much this year. They're they're tied, but have the tiebreaker on Atlanta uh, there. So long way to go. Even a little bit of improvement, you know, could, they could run away with that division the way everyone else is playing. So we'll have to wait and see. Like we said, they've still got some of the talent and the playmakers there. And Tom Brady uh, maybe has, has his mind a little bit uh, in some other places, as we know, things going on, but that again isn't something we can quantify. And we don't know. Maybe he's just just not playing well. Age catching up to him. Maybe. I mean, only time will tell. But still, a lot of football left to play. Now, the other big story from this weekend: the Chiefs and 49ers. This game was close in the first half. Kansas City was only up one at halftime. Then they outscored San Francisco 30 to 10 in the second half. What did you see that the Chiefs did, or maybe the 49ers? Failed to do after the half. I know Jimmy Garoppolo had that horrible interception in the first half, but this game was still close. All right. Uh, with all due respect, Ian, I'm afraid your premise here is a little bit faulty because the Chiefs did not just dominate the second half. They dominated four quarters. They just had a little trouble scoring points. So let's let's right. look at what happened in this Chiefs, uh, Chiefs offense in this first half here. First drive was a three and out with a tip drill interception. Well, that's no good. Uh, second drive, nine plays, 73 yards, touchdown. Third, third drive, 10 plays, 90 yards, touchdown. Fourth and final drive of the half, eight plays, 73 yards. They got into scoring range, ran out of time, had to try a field goal on third down, and then missed the kick. But you add all that up, uh, th those drive totals, that includes penalty yardage. If you just look at the actual runs and passes, 249 yards and 29 plays. That's 8.6 yards per play. That's phenomenal. <laughs> so really, they blew the 49ers off the field the entire game, just with a, a, a couple of plays in the first half cost them points, the, the tip drill pick and a, 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 some bad execution when they get down in the red zone. They probably should have been ahead 21, or excuse me, should have been ahead 21 to 13. Uh, that that tip drill bounces a different way. Maybe they get a field goal on that drive or a score on that drive. Who, who knows? Um, but they were moving the ball up and down the field on San Francisco basically whenever they wanted. Um, now, the other question is, how do they do that? How do they do it in the second half? How do they do it in the first half, too? The short answer is they have the best quarterback in the world. Mm -hmm. And people don't like to hear that sometimes. They 
there's a lot of good quarterbacks, and they have their favorites that they like to, like to hear. But, but I'm, I'm sorry, Patrick Mahomes is better than your guy. He just is. Uh, and they let him win games in that first half, 29 first half plays, 21 passes. They didn't try to establish the run for any particular sake. They said, hey, we have the best quarterback in the world. Let's let him go win this game. And eventually he did. And uh, a big part of that, they were able to pass so much because their offensive line also dominated San Francisco's fearsome pass rush, which is saying a lot. Uh, but Nick Bosa had one sack. I don't uh, no, no Nobody else on the 49ers managed to sack the entire game. They only had three quarterback hits the entire game. So when you take the best quarterback in the world and you give him excellent pass protection, you're going to win pretty much every game. Yeah, that that is a good recipe for success there. And last week we talked about with uh, uh, San Francisco losing to Atlanta, there were a lot of injuries on the defense. Had a lot of those guys back. I think the only one missing still was Eric Armstead. So to your point, like they were healthy. They were one of the top top five defenses in the league. I think they were number two at the time going into last week. Is that right? Uh, off the top of my head, I'm not sure. They've been, they've been very, very good most of the year. Uh, they struggled in the uh, loss to Atlanta and then uh, obviously this weekend here against yeah. Kansas City. But almost everyone struggles against Kansas City. <laughs> Absolutely. As you mentioned, best quarterback in the league. So uh, really good game for Kansas City. Uh, those receivers broke out. Pretty much all of them had a good game. We saw Miko Hardman had uh, three total touchdowns in that one. Juju Smith-Schuster had the touchdown at the end. So a really big day for Kansas City all around. We talked about Andy Reid kind of being at the bottom of the list in fourth down aggressiveness. Really didn't need it too much in this game because, as you mentioned, they were just, just pretty much dominating from the start there. Now, I mentioned, and you mentioned the, the game last week San Francisco had against the Falcons. They committed not a Cardinal sin, maybe a Falcon sin, it seems like. And that's what I want to talk about next. Typically, you've got a team that runs the ball 29 times, passes only 13 times. You'd think they'd win the game. But that's what Atlanta did, and they lost to the Bengals. They trailed by seven or more on 100% of their offensive plays and ran the ball on or they dropped back only 45% of their plays. I saw that from Dwayne McFarland of the of fantasy life there with Matthew Barry. The league average in that scenario is 72%. Like, I know that's what Atlanta does. That's what they like to do. But what do you, like, what do you think happened? Did Arthur Smith just say our best chance to win is by running the ball, even though we're down the whole game? It was, it was really, really weird. Uh, officially, I believe, 29 runs and 13 passes. That includes scrambles as running plays, but Mariota, Marcus Mariota didn't have a ton of scrambles this game. I think he only scrambled three or four times. Uh, so, yeah, they were running like crazy. And the thing is, it was such a weird game because the Bengals just came out on fire. It was 21-0, I think, by the end of the first quarter, if not exactly. early in the second. And that's still early in the game. That, that's too early in the game to just abandon your game plan. And so Arthur Smith stuck to his game plan, and for a little bit it worked. Because um, after the Bengals went up 21-0, the, the, the next drive for Atlanta had 18 plays, including uh, uh, that includes plays that were wiped out by penalties, but 18 plays and only five passes. But they got a touchdown, and it cut the lead to 21-7. And um, then in the final minutes, things went crazy. They got the deep touchdown to da uh, Damier Bird, I believe it's pronounced, and a punt return to set up a field goal. And they cut it to 28-17 at the half. But then things, they, they couldn't stay on the field, you know, run or pass when they when they tried in the second half. Um, the Bengals quickly went up 35-17. And from that point to the end of the game, uh, the Falcons had eight runs and only six passes. So that may, that may be a point where they're just waving the white flag, honestly. Yeah. Like, this one's done. Um, let's move on to next week and get everyone healthy or, or keep everyone healthy. So it's weird. Um I mean, if you want to, if you want to uh, uh, 
rail on Arthur Smith for, for staying run heavy as his team faced a massive deficit. That's fine because that's what he did, and, and that's unusual. But I don't think that's why they lost the game. I think they lost the game because their defense couldn't stop Joe Burrow and couldn't stop Jamar Chase and couldn't stop uh, Tyler Boyd. Um, and it didn't matter if they ran 40 times, if they ran zero times, their defense wasn't getting a stop this whole entire game or, or certainly not in the first half. So um, that's why they lost. The play calling is weird. I don't think it's had a huge effect on the game one way or the other. Um, it's all, and like you say, it's what they do. It, it, that, that, it's, that's their identity. It's how they beat San Francisco the week before. Um, it was still in the, you know, the first half. And they had that one long touchdown drive. So I don't know. A weird game. Uh, I'm not going to overreact to it. And uh, the Falcons are still probably a pretty bad team. <laughs> and it's weird to see in that situation too. Eighth overall pick, first wide receiver taken, Drake London had just one target. And kind of thing a lot of people calling now. I've seen a lot of people, you know, calling for Desmond Ritter to be put in, the rookie that they drafted in the, I believe, the third round. And, you know, saying if you don't trust Mariota to throw the ball, put him in. The thing is, though, and this is something I talked about and, and looked up the numbers and had handy from talking with uh, Mike on our recap show on Mondays, Mariota hasn't been terrible passing the ball either. He's 17th in DYAR among 34, I think 35 qualifying starters now, despite only being 24th in attempts. Uh, and he's 15th in DVOA. Not great, but not terrible. Uh, so maybe we'll see him throw the ball, like you said, maybe in the second half was just kind of waving the white flag uh, type thing that they're not going to stop the Bengals. They're not going to come back. The Bengals offense has been hot the last couple of weeks. Yeah, but before uh, we, uh, you know, I, I think, you know, I think benching Mariota right now would be a panic move. Um, and they're winning. For, they're, they have a decent record right now, and they're still in the, the hunt for the division. They're tied with Tampa Bay for the division lead right now. And, uh, I'm looking at their upcoming schedule here. Carolina at home, the Chargers mm -hmm. at home, at Carolina, Chicago at home, at Washington, Pittsburgh at home, and then a bye week. Um, that's very favorable. I'm looking at six winnable games there, man. Uh, so they they go four. Let's say they go four and two in that stretch. Uh, that puts them at seven and six, right in the wild card hunt. Uh, yeah, the, the, stay the course. Yep. Stay the course, uh, uh, and, and just try to stay alive into that playoff race in December. Seven seven wins again, uh, even though they're not as good as seven wins like they were last year. Could exactly. be a very real, realistic thing. So uh, stick with it. We'll see how it goes. Uh, moving on to Monday night's game, switching to a team that won the Bears. This offense looked a lot better on Monday. It seemingly due to uh, the big stories, having a lot more designed runs for Justin Fields. Was that – you think that's kind of the answer? You know, you can't just – just stick with this all the time and expect it to work now because teams are going to catch on things like that. But do you think that's kind of what this offense that's been the key factor that this offense has been missing? Uh, it's definitely been missing and they definitely had the best game of the year on Monday. I, they hit 26 points. I think in the third quarter, that was already the most points they had scored all year and uh, then added a late uh, insurance touchdown. Um, and then I think they had the ball again down by the goal line and decided to just take a knee, right? So yeah, definitely the best. The offense is the best game of the year. Um, a lot, a lot more designed runs. I and it and that's something people have been asking for for a long time. And it was, for the most part, very effective. Um, he had a couple of fumbles. Um, you know, fumbled handoff or fumbled snap that kind of messed with his uh, DYA and our DYAR numbers some. But uh, still, you know, like I said, the best game they had. But I, I also think from what I have seen. That was his best game as a passer by miles. And uh, maybe running around helps, you know, um, get his mind settled, let him uh, clear his head. Because it, was, it wasn't just scrambling, scramble drills, find a guy open, or and it wasn't just uh, 
find your first read and throw that automatically. He was sitting in the pocket going through progressions, going to his second and third reads with some regularity, which I haven't seen him do before. Um, so, like I said, just his best game as a pro, I thought, by, by, by leaps and bounds. Um, and, you know, how much of that is running, how much of that is passing, is, is kind of hard to say. But if it works, keep doing it. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I wouldn't change a thing if I was Chicago. It, it is kind of funny. It had this guy for a year and a half now, and it took, you know, uh, almost 18 games. In fact, no, 18. Uh, almost uh, 20-some games and two coaching staffs to realize, hey, he's good at running. Let's let him do that. People have been calling for it because, I mean, that's his skill set, you know, coming out of college and into the draft. You know, he's a very mobile runner, can can hurt you on the ground. So it, it's it been surprising to to not see them use that so much. But now that they've done it and it worked, uh, we'll hope to, to see it keep going for Justin Fields' sake. Uh, as a Packers fan, I don't necessarily want to see them get good now, uh, but I don't think we've got much. I've got my own problems to worry about with Green Bay than worrying about uh, Chicago getting better right now. So, uh, but definitely, like you said, their best game of the year so far. Uh, and you mentioned a couple of coaching staffs. Want to transition to uh, a coaching staff that's in their first year, and that's someone it seems like we talk about every single week. It's Nathaniel Hackett, but it's deserved. Like things are getting bad in Denver. Uh, they're, they're they're bad from the start, basically. And a lot of times you can point to some positives when a team is struggling in a head coach's first season. Dan Campbell last year, they weren't expected to be good. Uh, and, you know, they were aggressive. They they really fought. They stayed in a lot of games. He was aggressive on fourth downs. For Hackett, his first season, there's not much outside of the defense. Like, you bring in Russell Wilson, expect to be a Super Bowl contender. Do you think that he's in danger of getting the Steve Wilkes treatment and uh, either getting fired after this first season or even before the, his first season is over? Hard question, yeah, obviously a hard question to answer. Uh, we, we talked about his betting odds for getting fired, how I haven't mm-hmm. checked this week, but last week he was actually an odds-on favorite, um, mm-hmm. minus 190 or whatever it was a week or two ago. Um, they play this week in the United Kingdom against Jacksonville. Uh, the latest word is that Russell Wilson will play. Uh, the the uh, eye roll of the week for Russell Wilson is that apparently on the plane flight over to the United Kingdom, while everyone else was sleeping, he was doing high knees up and down the aisle. <laughs> which has caused active players on other teams not involved in this game to uh, roast him on Twitter for this kind of thing. Uh, it, it, it's one of those deals when he's always been a weirdo. He's always had this kind of eccentric behavior, which you can do when you're winning 10 games a year and leading the league in touchdowns and all that. But when you do, when you do the same behavior and your team's not winning, it sticks out. Uh, it's, it's more, uh, it's easier to make fun of that, that when that's going on. But, Getting back to Nathaniel Hackett, uh, two and five right now. They got a weird UK game against Jacksonville, another disappointing team. I feel like anything can happen in, the, in these uh, European games because yep. the travel's so weird that, that they're, they're very hard to predict. Um, Urban, Meyer won, Urban Meyer won a game in the United Kingdom for God's sake. Um, so I'm, lo- I'm looking at the back half of their schedule here. It's 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 not because uh, they they have the bye after this week. Um, and the Titans, Raiders, Panthers, Ravens, Chiefs, Cardinals, Rams, Chiefs again, Chargers. That's a pretty tough slate. Um, maybe not as dominant as we all thought it was going to be, or some of those teams were going to be, but Chiefs twice and Ravens. That's like the right now the, the, the silver and bronze medalist in the AFC behind the gold medal Bills. That's yeah. three tough games. Not a lot of cakewalks outside of Carolina, and they just beat a team better than Denver. Um so you start to ask yourself, how many wins does Nathaniel Hackett need to keep his job? They're two and five right now. Let's say he wins, finds a way to win four games over the back half of the slate and get to six and 11. Does that keep his job? 
probably. Um, <laughs> and uh, and Denver keep you know most of these games they're not getting blown out. Uh, they have lost five games, four of them by were by seven points or less. The other one, uh, the final score was 10 or 11 points, but that includes a, a huge play where one of the running backs, I think it's Melvin Gordon, fumbled, and the Raiders ran it back for a score. But that's like a 10-point swing right there on that one play. So they've been close all year. At some point, you got to figure the luck has turned around. I'm kind of rambling. I'm kind of having a debate with myself here. Uh, <laughs> but I'm going to guess that with the playoff picture in the AFC as murky as it is, there's still only two games out of a wild card spot. And uh, with a whole lot of time, whole lot of time to go here. Um, so, uh, long story short, uh, I think I'm going to say that he makes it to the end of the year. Although, what happens after that, I am not nearly as confident in. Yeah, too bad they're not in the NFC, or their prospects would be a lot better for getting to the to the well, playoffs. But do you think it helps him at all that? And maybe it, this is part of the reason Russ is struggling is because of you know the offense. But do you think it helps him that Russ has come over and is kind of being? He doesn't look as good on the field, but also kind of being exposed just in general as, you know, a lot of people saying, you know, he he seems like he always tries to say the right thing and people kind of getting tired of him and then just not playing well in general. Do you think that helps his case at all, that it's not all on him? Well, I mean, it helps him for the next uh, uh, 10 weeks or whatever we have left here. Yeah, yeah. Um, because, you know, they're, they're, he's not been playing well, plainly. That's obvious. And uh, the, we have seen other teams put in their backups and fare, fare well. Uh, Cooper Rush is the mm -hmm. most obvious example this year. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo is technically still a backup. He was supposed to be a backup for Lance, and he's, they put him in, and he's winning games. Um, I, I, I think the Dolphins won some of their games when, when Tagovailoa mm -hmm. was out, if uh, uh, I'm not mistaken. But the um, point is, you know, you, uh, a, a backup quarterback should not be a surrender or a forfeit. You should be competitive. And the Broncos, despite the best efforts of their defense, just were not. Um, the, the, the problems on this team go way beyond Russell Wilson. Uh, it's, a, it's a talent thing. It's a coaching thing. Nobody seems to be on the same page. Melvin Gordon doesn't know if he's benched or not. Uh, that seems to change every week. They're, they're making it up as they go. Um, there, there weren't a lot of like obvious strategic errors or bad decisions in this, in this Jets loss for Denver. They just got outplayed. Um, but you got outplayed by the Jets. I know they've won four in a row, but you watch Zach Wilson play and this, this streak is not going to continue and they have their own injury problems. That's going to make sure that doesn't continue either. Um, I don't know. It, it, it's a huge mess. Uh, and I, I you, they're going to have a lot of hard questions to answer over the off season, but um, I think we talked about this before, but the extension Wilson signed, they can't move on from him. Um, so if you're going to make a change, you can't change the quarterback. You usually end up changing the coach. Yeah, so not looking good. I, I did pull some of the numbers. So looking at Denver last week through week seven, uh, they were 22nd overall, just like they are this year, but their DVA was a little bit worse. But on offense, it's obviously a huge difference. Uh, they were 4.8% offensive DVOA. That was 16th in the league. This year through week seven, they're minus 16.8, which is 29th. Obviously, the defense is much better, but as we all know, a huge drop-off on offense, which is is not what any of us expected given uh, what Denver had at quarterback last year. And then looking at the, the coach rankings, uh, Nathaniel Hackett actually has dropped down now to be 31st in CCI. We talked last week. I don't even think he was in the, the bottom five. He's lost 50% of a game in cumulative win probability. Seven good fourth down go decisions by our count, which is right around middle of the pack, but he has the most errors in the league 
on critical calls, which I don't think is surprising having uh, watched those games so far this year and in all the times we've talked to him. So has a lot of work to do uh, over the next few weeks to, to hang on there in Denver. Want to switch over now, uh, like we always do, look at some good matchups for this week. Uh, let's talk about some good things, Th- games that we're most looking forward to. We've got a lot of the, the, the good teams back from by. Buffalo's back in action, Philly, Minnesota, and uh, the Rams, who don't know if I qualify them as a good team right now, but, but those other ones kind of top of the pack right now. But what is the matchup you're most looking forward to this week, Vince? So uh, I think... We talked about some disappointing teams like Denver and uh, Tampa Bay. I think if you were to pull most pull football fans and ask who is the most surprising team this year, I think the top three answers you would get in some order would be the Jets, the Giants, and the Seahawks. Now, we've already talked about the Jets a little bit and how uh, they're, they're, they're kind of playing over their heads and they have a bunch of injury problems. I don't think they're going to finish as strong as they look right now. But those other two teams, the 6-1 and one New York Giants and the 4-3 and three Seattle Seahawks, uh, you know, the, the Giants managed to win every week just by staying out of the way and letting the opponent beat themselves. And the, the Seahawks are managing to win by getting um, really good quarterbacking out of Geno Smith, a lot of boom and bust performance out of Kenneth Walker, who gets a, lo- a lot of highlight runs. But if you check our running backs, running backs page, he's actually last in the league in success rate right now. So basically, he's going to go for zero yards or 20 yards every time you hand off to him. Um, and a defense that was horrible early in the, earlier in the year, but has now put together two strong games in a row. And uh, I thought uh, the last, not last week's game uh, against the Chargers, but the game before they against the Cardinals, I thought that was more the Cardinals beating themselves. I thought the Seahawks happened to be the defense that was on the field that day. But when they came out and really took it to the Chargers, and uh, um, they gave up a couple some scoring drives there, but that, that, that's a pretty good offense, I think we all think. And, and they didn't look like they were in the Seahawks league. That was very strange <laughs> based on how the Seahawks defense has played most of this year. Um, but they've got the two the, the rookie corners playing well and the uh, two rookies that, on the offensive line that are playing well. Anyway, um, I'm going on about the Seahawks forever. Point is, uh, these are the two of the most surprising teams in the league. The Giants are the top wildcard team right now, only because the Eagles haven't lost yet. The Seahawks yep. are in first place in their division. They're probably going, both going to make the playoffs. In fact, now that I think about it, this could well be a playoff preview, but uh, more relevant as pertains to this, the coaching standing show, uh, coach rankings show, this game could decide who wins the coach of the year, whether it's Brian Dable with the Giants or Pete Carroll with the Seahawks. Uh, I think Dable's everyone's favorite right now, as long as he can keep them, uh, you know, first or second place in the NFC, it's probably his award to lose. But uh, if Carroll wants the Eagles to, don't go undefeated. And, and, and the Eagles don't go undefeated. Uh, if, uh, um, if, 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 if Pete Carroll wants to make a charge for that, and, and he'd, he'd be one of the strong candidates too, uh, beating Brian Dable and the Giants would be a good, good, good start in that campaign. So, uh, a lot, a lot of postseason hardware could be riding on this game uh, Sunday afternoon in Seattle. And what surprised me, you mentioned the Seattle defense. Uh, I, I was looking up something. Uh, it might have been for 
the waiver wire column or, or another show I was doing, but Seattle actually has the number one defense over the last two weeks. They're top yeah. three against the pass and the run over those two weeks. So to your point, just have been very strong as well as that offense, who's number four, I think, in passing offense. Geno Smith has looked really good. Uh, for me, that was one that I looked at that I, I'm really looking forward to. I went the, uh, a different direction. And with Chicago at Dallas, partly because of what we just talked about with the Bears, they had the sixth best overall DVOA in week seven. The defense was the third best of the week. Offense was a little bit more middle of the pack, but it was their best offensive performance of the year, their only game above average against what was a seventh-ranked New England defense. So a really strong performance. They go against another tough defense, even tougher defense, the Cowboys second best in DVOA. Want to see if they can continue success, if they they kind of uh, roll that game plan over from last week. Uh, probably won't be exactly the same. Dallas is a much better team, as we know, uh, and, and you can't use the exact same game plan every week in the NFL. But interested to see if they utilize a lot more of uh, not only getting Justin Fields on those design runs, but also getting him out of the pocket, like you said, and and seeing how they, they prepare and, and, and basically strategize for this game against, again, what is a very good defense in the Dallas Cowboys. So really excited to see that one as maybe not a super exciting game. But then on the other side, Mike McCarthy, he's had his criticisms, uh, you know, and gotten his fair share, but they're in a really good spot this year, looking pretty good. So this will be one that if they come out and lose, it's not going to look, look good for him at all. So... Really good one for me. It's not the most exciting football game, maybe, but those are what I'm looking for uh, in that game and pretty excited to see that. That will do it for our week eight coach ranking show. Before we go, don't forget about that free $100 you can get from Underdog Fantasy using promo code OUTSIDERS, even in states where traditional prop betting is not available. Underdog will match your deposit up to $100. Again, that's promo code OUTSIDERS. Also, don't forget to sign up for FO+. Plus at footballoutsiders.com slash subscribe. For NFL betting picks, you get against the spread, money line, and totals now, as well as premium stats and articles. You get an ad-free experience and early access to all of the data on Monday. And last but certainly not least, join us on the Football Outsiders Discord for in-game conversation for every game beginning tomorrow night, Thursday. The Ravens and Bucks, which is another one that's going to be a, a really good uh, matchup coaching-wise and on the field. So a lot to look forward to this weekend. Thanks for joining us, Vince. Thanks for joining me as always. Thanks again, Ian. Let's do it next week.